Hey friends, welcome to episode five. As we lead closer and closer into the most beautiful time of year, spring, the days are getting longer, warmer, weekends are becoming far more palatable. Um, this week we've got Bansky, Ben Jackson joining us. He's a uh, longtime friend, again, uh, business owner, and I say business owner because entrepreneur now has as much meaning as the word influencer. Feel free to dial us up on 029541 Leave us a 30-second soundbite, giving your love, hatred, or whatever blows your hair back. If you or anybody else you know is in um, dire straits, feel free to reach out to Lifeline on 131114. That's 131114. After all that, we hope you enjoy the episode. Remember, you're not alone out there, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. Welcome, Ben Jackson. Thanks. How are you? Great. Wonderful. Uh, welcome to this fucking frigid, freezing cold Saturday night. Yeah, it's not too bad. I've got leg warmth. That's the main thing. That's true. Um, and that's where your important arteries are, up in your groin area. Mm. It's the biggest artery in the body, I think, from memory. I don't know what it's called. Before Sorry, we get started, though. cheers. Cheers. You have to drink into the microphone and also burp into the microphone. Mm. That's the way we do it. So, Ben Jackson, long-time friend, I don't know, six years or so. What, um, what do you do? Um, a lot of different things, but um, I run my own business. Yeah. We repair all manner of uh, equipment. Yeah. Trucks, trailers, earth-moving equipment. All right, so the company name is Jackson Plant Transport Repairs or Jupiter, JPTR? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a few different names now for it because we've diversified a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, Jackson Plant and Transport Repairs. You're not like evading uh, the ATO by changing the business name constantly? Um, I have to say no, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, you probably know people that have done that in the past though. Yeah. Um, no, don't associate with people like that. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll cut it off right now. All right, see you later. <laughs> what, um, so you, uh, you went to Gosford High School, Yep. which is a selective high school Yep. for the, the smart peoples. Apparently. Um, you finished school. What did you, uh, what did you get into after finishing school? Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. You finished your HSC though? Yeah. 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 Didn't do you have any idea what you want to do yet? Yeah. Yeah, you figured sort it out. Sort of. Win. Mm-hmm. Ha- have a bit of an idea. Yeah. I've got options. <laughs> <laughs> Money gives you options. Uh, Avoiding tax gives you options. That too. Jail. Yeah. <laughs> I did my HSC. That's something, isn't it? <laughs> I always fall back on that. Yep. Yeah. Um, right. So HSC, you uh, out of Gosford, you did that. You did your full tenure, the whole whole six years in Gosford High School. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Start to finish. How did you go in terms of your score coming out? Coming out, not so great. Uh, I could have applied myself more. Yeah. Towards the end. That's a pretty standard narrative, though, when it comes to HSC. Yes, yeah, I suppose it is. I mean, some people have enough drive just to push through to the end. Um, I ran out of steam probably about the point where I found alcohol. Yeah. Uh, well, else? Yeah, so alcohol and pussy tends to really fuck with your HSC. Yeah. In a, in and also the rest speaking, of your life. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't impact me at all except for my HSC. That's it. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so the uh, you finished your HSC. What what was your rough score? It was TAR back then, or was it, you were in the U- UAI? UAI. Yeah. UAI. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was UAI as well. Yep. Um, 78, 79. 78, Okay, right. Yeah, so not, I was seventy five. So I was pretty much around the same. And I yeah. went to Gosford as well, but I decided not to uh, live out the rest of my miserable high school years there. Moved yeah. over to Terrigal where I could be more miserable. So it's a certain taste, I suppose. That's yeah. Well, Gosford was such a massive transition for me coming from Orange, which was you know very rural. Um, and then yeah, Gosford High School. Somebody explained to me last night, Gosford High has kind of got this mix between yeah intellectual elites and also like surfy scum who have a an IQ of slightly more than the average um yeah I guess it does uh, when I was there it definitely was an easy place I found to go to school and that a lot of my yeah a lot of my mates went to um the likes of Henry Kendall King Humber okay so normal sort of state schools yeah and um just here in the the things that went on in their schools and the stuff that they had to put up with made me realise quite early on I, I I was pretty lucky to be going where I was. Yeah. Um, it didn't really stop me from playing up all that much, but um, I, I I enjoyed my time there. I think it was a good school to go to. What did your high school years look like uh, when you talk about playing up? Like, what was your uh, general um, activities that you would get up to? You you were you living on a rural property at that point? No, we were, I would call it rural, but we were living in Mooney Mooney. Okay, so, so semi-rural. Semi, yeah. yeah. Um, How good. big was that block? Oh, no. Caught 2,000 square, maybe. Okay, right. Yeah. So what's that, half an acre? Yeah, about that. Okay, right. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, it was uh, playing up, I guess, from from a school point of view. Early on, it was just the usual stuff, just not turning up for classes and uh, hanging out with mates. Drinking? Throwing things. Uh, not, not that dirt. Not early on, but... Certainly around about year nine is where we probably got a bit out of hand with that. Okay. So, um... So, it's that, that's about the age of 15 then? Yeah, about that. Okay. But, um... D- didn't get it... Didn't get in trouble as much as everyone thinks I did at school. Oh, I didn't think you got into much trouble at all. Yeah. You're the one telling me the story now. <laughs> well, later on we did, at least. But, um... When I say we, me and my mates. Yeah. So... Um, but going to a selective school was a l- reasonable level of expectation on you to perform and not waste that opportunity. Mm. I think I found the right balance between shenanigans and Keeping academic achievement. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like 75... If you're around 75%... Oh, I didn't burp in the microphone. What am I thinking? Failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about 75%. You're three quarters of the way through the population. That's, it's pretty good. Like, you're mm. dominating a lot of people there. Would you call it a, a high average? Probably, yeah. Where's it, where to... Um, with uni? I don't know, because I didn't go. Well, I did, but I dropped out twice. Um, where Distinctions, where do they start? About 80, I think. Something like that. Everyone's yep. going to be yelling at me. Um I think it's 82 or something. Somewhere know. around there. Whatever, we'll make it up. It's 86.3. 86. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. The, That's a good um, number too. Yeah, you're doing, you're doing well. You're 75%. You, you, you're, you've got most of the shaft in. Yeah. Yeah, at that, sort of, uh, at that sort of price point. And being, a, uh, being an intellectual then and, and a diagnosed intellectual, so to speak, when you're a teenager... 
what, what did you anticipate that you were going to do when you were leaving school? So when you were 15, 16, 17, what are you thinking that you're going to do after school at that point? Uh, assumption was end up at uni. Right. And, and did you have a particular um, area that you were going to go to university and study? Was that predetermined based on your parents? No, not at all. They weren't pushy. I think they were just happy to see me in a, in a decent school and achieving somewhere around the 75% mark. Right. Um, and not killing yourself, not yep. not getting too involved with drugs. Yeah, I um, I was lucky in that um, they gave me a lot of freedom when I was growing up and let me figure out a lot of things myself, but weren't pushing. Okay, um, gave gave me enough information to to know wrong from right and um, what I should and could possibly get away with, and, and what, what I should definitely not do. And what's your parents' background then to be that uh, kind of liberal in, in terms of? Letting you make your own mistakes. What What's their background? Um, well, I don't think my mum's my parents were, were reasonably strict. Mm-hmm. She, she didn't get a lot uh, given to her. And um, she was expected to toe the line, pretty much. And you, we're going to pay for the roof over your head and your food and you'll do it our way. Yeah. Uh, that particularly came from her dad. Okay. Um, but on my dad's side of things, um, I think he's... Again, probably really strict in, in a lot of ways, but um, your dad's strict, or his his parents his parents were strict. were strict on him. Right. Um, he he definitely had a harder childhood than than my mum, I think, in that regard. And, mm. um, but had enough freedom that he he grew up similar to me, I guess. Um, had a lot a lot of friends locally, small town, could run around out in the bush, get yep. up to mischief as long as you're home by by dark. It's all good. Um, so. They were probably a lot more lenient on me than either of them. Right. Got of In terms of parents. siblings, how many siblings do you have? Two. Two? Older, younger? Uh, both younger. Two sisters. Yeah. yeah and so. uh, how do you... Uh, ha- like, what was their upbringing like compared to yours? Because I know in my situation, I'm the oldest out of four boys. And I was you know, basically brutalized in terms of, I'm not going to get too carried away, but for me it was, it was the, there was a massive contrast between what was acceptable for me versus say my youngest brother, Chris, what he was allowed to get away with at the the same age. Yeah. I think, well, you've got two kids, so you've got that when the first one comes along, you're like, oh shit, everything needs to be perfect and we need to make sure that you know by the time you've had your fourth kid you're like whatever you're probably not gonna die yeah you'll figure it out it's not that poisonous (laughs) it says you might get sick on the bottle (laughs) your older brother slash sister the third one didn't die when they accidentally yeah drank that so you'll you'll figure it out yeah it's character building yeah i mean look you know fuck ups are definitely character building but yeah, so in terms of your the treatment of you versus your um, younger sisters, did you see a difference there, or were, were your parents like reasonably consistent with that? Um, there was definitely a difference. Yeah. Um, I was the firstborn. Uh, I think uh, I think I was the firstborn out of um, oh, like all, all the cousins, cousins, and whatever. And, yeah, so, okay, right. Um, you know that I, I got definitely treated differently at times by. Um, by my grandparents as well, particularly okay. dad's side. As in, like you, you're more special, or I, I get the they feeling more from you. F- firstborn, uh, you know, grandchild. Uh, yep. Firstborn born who happened to be a boy as well, so I'm going to carry on the, the family name. And your dad was the firstborn. No, he was he was right in the middle of three okay, kids. 
So um, he he sympathised a lot with with one, my middle sister, I guess. Um, uh, in that he knew what that was like, but um, yeah, I, I I didn't so much think that I got special treatment, but I was a boy and I liked doing boy things, and you know I never got anything. You know, I wasn't spoilt and that they'd go out and buy me brand new things, but I would get given things and I was expected to look after them, which I didn't, and then I was expected to fix them if if I didn't look after it. So, yeah, so we're talking mechanical things, toys. Yeah, it's about that age where you you know you get to eight to ten years old and you you start looking at things like you like motorbikes. push bikes, motorbikes, motorbikes. Yep. okay, um, you know billy carts, that kind of stuff. So um, billy carts, I just. I always had the dangerous old Billy cart. <laughs> oh my goodness! I, I remember the, the old, the old like uh, yeah, basically like uh, three bits of two by four, one with a bolt and a couple of washers in the front, yeah. and then the ropes with the holes drilled in and knots tied on the bottom of the rope. And Auto then you, bend wheels on the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or then, on all fours. And then you hold the rope, and then you're steering with your legs and the rope at the same time. The second you got up any sort of hint of speed on those things yeah. your steering just goes out the fucking window you end up completely locking it in one position left or right That's and then you just get turfed straight mm. off my first billy cart my dad built for me and he put golf cart wheels on it like um golf caddy cart yeah yeah so um yep. uh and it had reasonably good bearings in it and there was a hill uh, 150 meters long not super steep, but enough to get up to a good forty or fifty clicks if you really wanted to. Yeah. And um, I decided that was the is best it, place. This is a, a rope foot steer Ex- jobby, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, best place to test it out is on that hill. Definitely well, was until I got to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was there a decent seat, or was this just a bit, bit of ply? Uh, and a decent seat. It was like a plastic, like a, chair, one of those school like, chair backs. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Where the, why did they always pop up? It, could know. you imagine how you would have gotten a school chair out of a school when you were that age? How yeah, did they such get such high out of demand that? as well? Exactly. I don't know. Although, if you do no remember, no did, you, did you used to play the old uh, like if you were sitting at the back of the class, leaning back and balancing on the uh, on the chair? Always. Right. So I favorite part. Imagine time. that there were lots of legs that got bent from that. Mm. But that meant that there was some dodgy dad or grandfather that was that driving past the uh, the bin area of schools all the time, Mm-mm, just looking an eye out. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make some really fucking dangerous billy carts for my grandkids. <laughs> I need seats. Damn it! Where are they? <laughs> Constantly driving past. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, actually that legitimately sounds like what something my grandfather would have done. God so, rest yeah. his soul. Right. So you've got the uh, the the. You, you're a boy, so you're going to be treated differently anyway. That's what I. That's those are the things that were different for me. Is that questionable in today's society, though? Mm, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it might be for some people, but it's not wrong for boys to like different things to to girls. How old are your your midgets? Mm, four as of today, and uh, happy birthday. Three months. Well done. Go with three on having sex twelve months ago. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, that was a good. It uh, was a good sex. It was a good night. <laughs> you make the sex very goodly. Yeah. So you've got this expectation then that you're going to leave uh, Gosford High School, go off and do university. Of some, and, and I mean, some of this is an expectation that I guess the school itself, because having been there, that the school is like the path is set out in front of you. That okay, you're going to finish school and then you're going to go to university and. It's which doctorate are you going to get rather mm. than um, 
It wasn't After set, school, though. So you finish year 12. It wasn't really set out. It, it was just particularly starting at a place like Gosford High and getting through to year 10. Yeah. I assumed that I would end up going to uni. That was just my assumption. I actually wanted to join the Defence Force to become a fighter pilot. Why didn't that happen? Return of service. It scared me. Didn't want to be locked in for that long. Right. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, probably wouldn't have been that bad of an idea. Would you pr- I mean, would, would you have seen your life being better than what it is now? Nah. No, not really. It'd be different, but it's you, a hard judgment to make. Yeah, you're kind of free to... Um, but you, we know a, a guy who's in the Air Force, and he seems to have a, a pretty... Uh, impressive life regarding the toys he can put his hands on and stuff. Mm. He's got a lot of interesting stories. Um, but yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of restriction on his lifestyle as well, I guess. Yeah. So, but if you've been doing it long enough, it it, it works for some people. And yeah, I suppose it becomes the new norm, right? Yeah. yeah and that, that, that becomes your reference point. No, yeah. I, I can never, ever... Like even hang out with people who have ever done drugs yeah. because we'll that's talk gonna about certain things. And yeah, mm. right. Joke about bombing shit and yeah. stealing chairs from high schools. Yeah, wouldn't, right. wouldn't be having that conversation with him right now. No, definitely not. Probably wouldn't be allowed to talk about plastic chairs at all. <laughs> or, plastic, or leaning back on chairs. Plastic's gonna kill the environment. Mm. Turtles. Yeah, turtles. It kills all the turtles. So you you finish year twelve. You've got your seventy eight ish on your UAI and what what's your next what's your next choice what do you do um I, I had no idea at that point so um I just walked into a a job um with one of my mum's previous employers actually in RSL club and um decided you know school's finished so I've got to go and earn some money one way or another um, whether I enjoy it or not so let's try that we'll go and did you take some time off between finishing school and, and that starting? No, none. All right. Just went straight into it. But um, you know, I was working casual and they don't push you real hard at the start. So it was two, three days a week. It wasn't stressful. Um, it gave me enough time to party on, I guess. After and what, so what were you finished. doing at the Rissol? Uh Just bartender. Okay. Yep, that's it. So you, did you, you went and did your RSA then, yep. presumably, at some point? RCG as well, which yep. I think you're required to do. So you behind the bar, and how long did that last for? Um, it was close to 18 months. So it, by the time I, I left there, I had a good idea of something I should be doing, but still not particularly what I, I wanted to be doing. Um, it, it was good because um, it exposed me to a lot of different people, and people who had come from, from different um, professions and trades and didn't like it. Or weren't particularly good at it, uh, and this is just through your casual conversations across the bar. Yeah, just with, with people that I work with, the regulars, with. and yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's an interesting industry because it does attract a lot of people who don't particularly know what they want to be doing, and it's and it's an easy industry to to get into. In that, you know, you only well back then at least you only had to go and get your RSA and RCG. You could do both in one day or or yeah. day and a half. It's so pretty easy. Yeah, um, and the the rate's not too bad. Not particularly. And the, can, and the main the main sort of drawback to it is that you can't necessarily go and party with your mates 
on the Friday and Saturday night because you often end up working because that's their, the busiest time. Yeah. Which also ends up being a bit of a blessing because it means you're not going out and partying with your mates on a Friday, on every Friday and Saturday night. Well, the problem is, is you end up having mates in the industry and so your Friday night you is fuck up on early Monday Saturday morning. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, well, not, not always, but yeah, you, you have some unusual hours of... Um, yeah, participating in some right some like activities. Post work drinks, post work drinks four a.m. Oh, well five a.m. You know, sun's coming up. There's people starting to go to work, and you know you're, you're still you're drinking or you're rolling half trashed out of a an all nighter. A risol, <laughs> yeah. yeah, where you've been working <laughs> until three a.m. Yeah, at that point, yeah. and then everyone gets on the sauce afterwards. Yeah, exactly, and it becomes strangely normal after a while as well. Yeah, yeah, you. Even people say who work like graveyard shifts at factories and shit like that. That was a good one. Mm. Uh, that time they that they do normalise to that. Yeah, you know, so, I know there's some people that don't, but yeah, I, I thought I wouldn't, but definitely did. Yeah, loved I mean, it. You got no choice, and also you're relying on that for your income and. So you can rationalise that as well, that, yep. okay, I'm doing this because it means I can buy a car or save up for a house or yeah. buy some drugs, whatever the case is. Mm. I um, I still manage to get a lot of time with my mates, though. Uh, right, even while I was working uh, fr- Friday, Saturday nights almost yep. permanently. Um, I would get the odd early night and, um, you know, if I knew that there was something good coming up, I'd take a Friday off because I was so reliable. Friday and Saturday nights you could get one here and there they were pretty reasonable right so and there was plenty of casuals in their pool of people to pick from to cover shifts so in that regard though it, it was never a huge issue for me to still live a somewhat normal life social yep. life at least oh, that makes sense and, and so you're 18, 19 18 months into your job working at the Rissol mm-hmm. and, and you decide okay I'm going to pull the pin now Um, I had I guess two options in front of me I knew even in, at that age that I didn't... You know, management was probably going to end up being my thing at some point. So you're um, either going to work in management in the Rissol? Uh, in the hospitality industry. I certainly yeah. looked into it. Um, you know, I put in for a, a team leader job or two while I was there. Got got knocked back because of my age and experience. At the time, I, I didn't... Because you're still under 20 at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it, was not, it wasn't a surprise... No, of course. In hindsight, not. but yeah, chuck um, your hat in the ring. Yeah, I thought, well, maybe I'll give it a good shot. Um, yeah, maybe I'll go and do some some courses at TAFE, see if they'd be interested in me doing that. The whole time, um, I was I was kind of weighing up my options with, you know, do I go and go go to TAFE and try and improve my UAI so I can go and do something at uni? That's still an option. Or, but you're pushing. So twenty one's not too far away at this stage. Yeah, well, I mean, I was. So you could go mature nine, age, nineteen. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's only two years away. So the yeah, mature yeah. age entry for for uni is it's a pretty pretty sort of easy. Particularly if you're already stacking seventy eight coming in, and then you're like, oh, I've also got this experience as a human being in the real world. I can't remember how it worked back then, but I think I still would have been a normal admission okay. as such. So. Um, it's all a bit fuzzy. Yeah. I'm so with like lots it. of drugs and alcohol or mainly? Mostly alcohol really because right. I, I was, it was very easily accessible right. due to my job. Yeah. <laughs> Staff discounts. <laughs> <Makes> perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
but yeah, um, quite affordable at that point. Yeah, that no. So that was um, that was an option, and then also I had my dad sort of saying to me, "You you're naturally good mechanically." Through years of breaking my toys, and my dad saying to me, um, "What did you? What's your? You. What was your dad's career? A uh, spray painter, yeah, spray automotive. Painter. Yep. Yeah. So that was his trade. He walked out of school and and straight into an apprenticeship, essentially. Um, so, and, and at the time, wasn't um, he? He quit that when we were when I was young, still in primary school, um, because the. At the time, anyway, his concern was well-founded concern. So it turns out was the chemicals that they were exposed to, even with respirators. It was so you in bad. you in primary school. That means that they were well into the well into the two pack at that point. Uh, in what regards, two pack Shakur spraying mid nineties <laughs> <laughs> California no, um, love. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. they were definitely um, two pack had been a thing for a while. Uh, and what was uh, I I'm not technically as good at with this as I should be, but I think what came before it was even worse. Right, um, to the naturally. acrylic just before that? No, uh, I don't know if it was an acrylic, but it was another, I think it was another enamel, um, you know, slow-dry enamel, maybe without a, a catalyst, but um, before that too, the respiration gear was pretty crummy as well, so... Yeah, so they didn't have, like, rebreathers and, mm. um, yeah. It was all shop air, but, uh, you know... It, well, actually, even before that, it was probably just face masks, to be honest. Um, but they went to shop air, and even then, it was bad. Um, I think, if um, if I remember correctly, though, I think, I think Tupac is actually an enamel, yeah, enamel it is. based paint. Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah. yeah. It just right? uses yeah. a um, a hardener, catalyst yep. to harden. Yep. So, um, but yeah, um, the old boy told the story about it often enough. It's polyisocyanate. What's the chemical? It's a nasty one. But that's not tremendously bad because I did a little bit of um, the jazz hands routine on the on the confuser around two pack because I was contemplating spraying some mm. uh, on the front of my what is that a TE Rodeo outside the show car yeah, yeah. the show car mm. the <laughs> 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 yes um, I was going to uh, spray some two pack on the front of that and I thought oh, I better check on like what the fuck? Like what? Are, what are the real problems here? Mm. If I just wear a dusk mask in my suite, but the isocyanates were not. In terms of um, respiration, that wasn't the big problem. It was actually exposure to skin. Yeah, so it was more important to wear like a full Tyvek overall situation instead of the respirator, because everyone thinks that okay, you're spraying two pack, you're going to get lung cancer from it. But if I remember correctly, and I'm please feel free to fact check me was the the exposure to your skin that was actually where mm. the the poison came from i can't remember really what the old boy said about it but i i know that one of his concerns was was that you can have a respirator on while you're spraying that's fine but um particularly if you're really good at it uh you end up mixing paint quite a lot mm. um so you do get it on your skin there's exposure to the solvents as well um ventilated paint Mixing rooms weren't a huge thing, so it um, ended up the whatever his exposure was was uh, was bad enough for him to to want to get out of it. Did he end up ill as a result? Or no, was I it just a. I think he just saw a lot of feeling. people who'd been in the trade for a long time, um, in effect, losing their minds because of constant exposure to chemicals. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, and a few, you know, had. 
had been exposed even, to. Because even prolonged exposure to things, basic things like uh, petrol and diesel and mm. inhaling those fumes and stuff, uh, people have linked it to um, amnesia, dementia, yeah. um, you know, different sorts of mental illness and those kinds of things. Yep. So that's a, uh, yeah... Um, and also, when he was doing his trade too, he had a lot of people teaching him who were approaching the end of their trades who'd been painting with lead paint. Yes. So, lead poisoning was a thing at that point as well. And Definitely. Not that he had Fuck, that. it's so brutal. Some of the shit that we've done to ourselves where we're like, no, no that's cool. We're, we're figuring this shit out. We now have the best material. Hmm. So, use asbestos as an example there. Yep. Uh, asbestos is still the best material in terms of f- we, like what we know on a commercial level mm. for fire retardation. Yeah. It's an, there, there's it's nothing an that can beat it. Yeah. yeah. Nothing that can beat it still. I mean, we've got fibrous uh, cement and stuff like that that's that we're using in lieu of it and, and whatever, but the problem is asbestos still is a very fucking good product for mm. doing what it does. And I think even... Up until eighteen months ago, Canada was you were still able to use it in construction in Canada, mm, based on on permits, and that you had to comply with certain regulations regarding cutting it. So we find the thing that that's the best thing. Like right now, let's say we we use mobile phones as an example. Mm-hmm. We've got four G. We got three G. Well, I think we started what two G. 2G, 3G, LTE, 5G coming out now. Mm. We've got this massive amount of bandwidth because we always need to download the porn all of the time. But the the health risks we haven't necessarily considered, and I understand well, that. Know about, won't ha- know about for 50 years. Yeah, and there's extensive documentation that says mm. these are the reasons that it's never actually going to affect us as human beings because we're made of X uh, material. These operate on Y frequency and therefore the, the two will never cross-pollinate. But the 5G is only going to activate the chemicals we've been breathing in from the chemtrails in 20 years. <laughs> chemtrails. Design, is it? <laughs> That's how it's designed, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> very well done. Specific wavelength that the, activates it. The ones that are um, manipulating the weather patterns. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. and the ones that are they're keeping us under the, the control of the government. Yeah. See, Dad goes, you're mechanically minded. You're ex-Gosford High School. Yeah. You're a smart kid. Um, you've done some time working in the Rissol. You've drank enough booze, presumably, to kill half of Afghanistan. And and then what do you do? He he floats this idea that you're pretty good mechanically. Yeah, he... Um, well, I shouldn't say push, but... Um, Recommended? Brought, brought it up reasonably often. Um, enough to make me think about it. And at that time, I was, I was definitely interested in... In cars, I still had a couple of boats that I used to muck around with, um, you know, at motorbikes as well. Uh, to my way of thinking, I didn't want to go and ruin my hobby. Yeah, that's a um, that's an interesting position there, where because I wanted to be a panel beater. Mm. That was a, my uncle Sheepy was a panel beater, and at 15 years old, I was at uh, I was ex Gosford High School by that stage. I was in a in a state school. Mm. And um, went to Uncle Sheepy's place and we fixed my stepdad's Toyota Corolla. Took it from having some dents in the back end and whatever. We, you know, rubbed it down, wet and dry. And that was back when, you know, wet and dry was still a thing. Now everyone dry sands. But mm. the, um, that, that whole experience to me was fantastic because you're taking something that's kind of fucked up and then 
particularly this thing was red, right? Yep. So sanding it and then spraying it, spraying it, spraying it, spraying it, you know, multiple layers of undercoat and sanding and all those kinds of things. And then you finally spray that red top coat and you're like, holy shit, fuck, I've taken this thing that kind of looked fucked up and now it looks cool. Seemed to me to be quite good, uh, quite enjoyable. You're taking something a bit fucked up almost, mm. you know, you're taking trash and you're making it into treasure. There's some satisfaction to be gained in taking something that previously was not functional and giving it function or right. I guess when I, when I first started having to do that, it, it all started with my dad showing me how to fix what I'd broken, I guess. And so he's a, he's a spray painter. So he's been fucking around with uh, cars. Yeah. He, he was, I guess, same as me, mechanically minded from a young age, just picked it up. Uh, and, and same thing. It, it wasn't his dad showing him how to fix things. It was his dad not giving a shit that it was broken and he had to figure it out himself. Right, so, so you're on your own, son. Yeah, pretty much. And that's where he gained his skill and uh, I was lucky enough to have it passed on to me and and had it. Genetically, but also like a hands-on, um, yeah, like lefty, he, lefty-loosey, righty-tighty. Exactly. He yeah. he um he spent the time to show me the, the right way to do things and, and how to make something really dodgy, not look dodgy. Right. So, <laughs> um, so I remember <laughs> um, years ago... There was a guy that uh, worked at a panel shop across from a mate of mine who had a workshop, and they said um, one of their their best claims, one of their uh, sort of uh, stories that they would tell people is, like, "Okay, you've been to TAFE and you've learnt how to do it right. We're going to show you how to do it quickly because hmm. <laughs> we're worried about profit. <laughs> <laughs> like a business has to make profit. You know, it happened everywhere in, in the industry when when I first got into it, but." Um, so what was the what was your first foray into? Um, so you went into mechanical of some description. Yeah, so I, I basically got to the point where I thought, well, I'm, I might be wasting talent. So I started applying for apprenticeships, and uh, first one I got knocked back on that was motorbike mechanic um, apprenticeship. And in hindsight, probably good that I didn't end up with that. Probably would have enjoyed it just as much, but um, uh, probably wouldn't. Well, definitely wouldn't have learned the things that I know now if I had going into that so, so what um, was the one that you ended up getting accepted for uh car mechanic just uh and where, where were you based honest. then were you commuting to work or yeah so i was driving from um still living with the folks uh driving from mooney down to uh thornley so end of the sydney end of the f3 now m1 yep. freeway um uh had to suffer part of pennant hills road so did that for a number of years and um uh, i was lucky enough to end up in a place with really good mechanics in it. Um, there wasn't a lot of staff turnover as well, and um, they, they taught me the right way. Um, and you did a whole four years of your apprenticeship there? Yep. Yeah, the whole lot. So well, did they have a, a, some sort of specialisation? A lot of mechanics uh, you know, specialise in Euro or... Yeah, it was definitely Eurocentric, um, 100%. Um, before I worked there, they were a Suzuki dealership, so there's a lot of Suzuki uh, customers still rolling through. Um, they did a lot of Volkswagen. Um, Porsche Badge. that was cool Badge yeah Volkswagen Australia group yeah Porsche yeah that would be uh, good so you got to get behind the wheel of um, some reasonably expensive automobiles yeah um, not 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 initially because um, well, most sane people wouldn't let a first or second year apprentice behind something like that but you that. must but have um, been based on the uh, the other guys that you were working with most, most mechanics don't actually have their HSA under their belt and definitely no. not another year and a half worth of Life experience. No, 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 no one that I worked with had the same level of education as, as such that I did. Um, and 
they're, they're all still reasonably intelligent people. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that you you definitely need that to to succeed in that role, but um, uh, it was it was interesting, I suppose, seeing how they ended up at that point in their life, or being a qualified tradesperson, and uh, how different their path to mine was to get there. So you're um, do your apprenticeship. At some point, you've uh, you've decided, okay, fuck it, I'm sick of working for somebody else. And how old were you when you made that choice? Mm. How old are you now? 33, 34. 33, so, yeah. yeah. Um, how old was I? Uh, 27. 27. I think, 28. Got a mortgage at this point? Yeah. So yeah. you throw caution to the wind. You decide you want to start your own business. Yeah. You, you're working in a job where you're paid reasonably well to do what you do because you're, you're pretty good at what you do. Well, at that point, um, I was paid exceptionally for what I did. What sort of um, dollars are we talking? Depending on how much overtime I did, I suppose. But, uh, but, but what, what was your sort of year-end Generally, you'd, wash up you'd hit about like? 150, 160. $150,000 to $160,000 a year. Yep. So inside, that's, that's very good for a qualified mechanic. Well, at that point, I was working as an auto electrician. Right. So having the second trade. Um, right. So you went and did a second trade yeah, well, after? While I was an apprentice, I finished. Luckily, I was uh, going to TAFE at a time when self-paced learning was a thing. Um, so I finished it early. And I said to my boss at the time, um, I can either come and work here full time or I can stay at TAFE for the same period of time that I would have been there anyway and get a second trade. He would have... Uh, he he saw a lot of value in that, I think. And... Um, I was very lucky that he, he decided to let me do that. But um, and it one was of the also, best decisions it, I've made. It was also pretty affordable in those days as well, whereas now uh, in the last couple of years, TAFE, TAFE fees have kind of jacked up. Did, was he footing the bill for that or were you um, paying for it yourself? Uh, we had to pay for the fees, but we'd be reimbursed for it. And that okay. was bugger all back then. It's still a thing. Though. Yeah, it was like 500 bucks a year or something to that Yeah, it was, no, it was yeah. virtually nothing. For um, the skills that you come out of there with and the qualification. Yeah, for, for, for the, the length and... You know, the duration and the intensity of the course. It was, it was real cheap. Definitely. So you uh you've 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 you're on your one fifty one sixty. That's good money. Awesome money. That's a lot of people would like that's nearly double a lot of people's salary these days. Yeah, it's a it's a huge amount of, of money to be earning. For twenty seven years old. Yeah, so what, seven uh six years ago now. Um even now, like six years have passed, it's still a an decent. absurd amount of money for for an automotive tradesperson to be earning. Um, but uh, you know, I was, so I was what, lucky. What was it that didn't feel right then? That you're uh, so you've got your mortgage, you're with your missus at that point. Yep, Haley. And you you just you're reaching out for something more. Is there something internal where you're like, I'm a bit broken, I need more, or did you just want a no. challenge? Were you scared of something? No, it was uh, at that point I felt that I was um, I was wasting my life, and in the position that I was in, I, I felt myself becoming a, a worse version of myself because of what I was I was being exposed to, and um, you know, on the sites that I was working on in particular, um, that nothing was done in a hurry. So you'd be standing around two or three hours waiting for a piece of equipment to, to come in for you to work on and um, you couldn't go and do another job. You couldn't just go and jump onto something else. It was wait for it to come in. That's and it. The, the frustrating part, which I think I've seen uh, with a lot of people who work in similar industries, is they're like, oh, fuck it, I'm being paid. 
I'm happy to sit here for two or three hours. Yeah. And you were being paid, right? Because that was billable time mm. as far as your uh, your employer was concerned. So they're yeah. billing you out at, let's say, 300 bucks an hour. Let's. I'm just picking a number. Yeah. So they're billing you out. They're paying you maybe 100 bucks an hour. So yep. they're like, we're still fucking making money. So they don't give a shit. Mm. But a lot of people would just be like... And the company you're working, you're doing the work for on site, they also don't give a shit because no, it's not their money. No. Or, or if the machine takes two or three hours to get in, they don't give a shit as long as it's fucking fixed and back out there and operational within the time period that you said or near enough. Yeah. No, or not even that. If, if it yeah, ran over until next shift, it who doesn't cares? matter. <laughs> yeah, no one gives a shit. Yeah. So there's this, there's this willingness to just fucking throw away money and you're able to sit there for two or three hours on your iPhone 3G at that point. Mm, no, not so much. That that's what started to break me is I couldn't even spend that time to do something that would help me or, or better, you know, something that I was interested in. No, but that that that's speaking to my point is a lot of a lot of guys these days who are working in a similar position would be quite content to sit there and just twiddle away on fucking Instagram and Facebook. And oh stuff yeah, for sure. Yeah, and just be like, whatever, man. I'm getting paid. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I just did five hours overtime and had to do nothing whatsoever. Yeah, but you you weren't comfortable with that being the uh the status quo it didn't matter how well i was being paid that time was time wasted for me i yeah. could have been doing something else and that's what eventually finished me off i guess was uh, i'd happily accept half the money but be engaged and, yeah and happy to be doing what i, I did and i, I like my job uh, at that point I, I really liked my job um as it was but i just couldn't handle standing around doing nothing and the other thing too is being around people who were so happy to stand there and very frustrating absolutely right? nothing yeah yeah we're well, like what the, what the fuck yeah how about we clean this bay let's mm. let's mop and sweep this bay so when whatever it is that's coming in no, turns fuck up it. we'll do, we'll do it when we're being paid to do it yeah we'll do it when it gets here and it's mm. it's you know it's parked up and isolated or whatever you know go through the whole uh risk assessment jsa rigmarole and then we'll start our job yeah um, right so yeah. no one's no one's kind of um, proactive, forward thinking, or looking towards self improvement, or how can we improve the processes? Because you're paid by the hour, mm. and yeah. therefore the more hours you spend sitting around twiddling your thumbs and getting likes on Instagram, the the more you get paid. Yep. And they see that as kind of their self worth, I guess, some sort of. I think it's a cultural thing. Um, it's also I see it a lot in Australia for sure. Yeah, it's not just the industry that I was in either. It happens everywhere. Um, yeah to more or lesser extents but in in that setting yeah i found it destructive for me as a person right. um, into like you bunch of internal conflicts because you're like yeah i am getting my money mm. but i don't feel fucking good about myself yeah um i could be doing better is more yeah. or less like that's where I, I find my position where i'm like i could be doing better than this well you know i, I thought at that time um just from the point of view that I'm wasting time just standing here, but I'm not actually able to use that to do anything other than stand around and, and talk with the boys. You're hamstrung. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know there's money going in your skyrocket, but uh, that doesn't really it doesn't really sort of dull the, the waste of time because you can no. always get more money. You, you can't always get more time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you started your own business. What, what, did, that, um, what did that adventure look like? Um, 27 I'll, you assume you ran it by the old boy yeah it was always going to happen I think um, prior to working in uh, in such a, a highly paid and very slow paced uh, job um, I was lucky enough to gain some mani- management experience and 
running a, a service department for a, for a period of time. So I had a good idea of what I thought it would take to run a successful service business, service-based business. Right. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I thought walking out of what I was doing and into what I was going into wasn't going to be particularly difficult for me in that I had my ideas and my experience and it surely won't be enough to get me all the way through, but it's a good starting point. Um, so luckily had the contacts to be able to go out and subcontract as it were for six months and still earn them the money that I was earning, but be more engaged, more fully employed while I was doing that job, not having to answer to supervisors as such. I'm there to provide a service on my own terms so I could go in and, and do that for 12 hours. Yep. I get paid for 12 hours, same amount of money, but I've done the work. So when uh, when you started up the business, obviously the first uh, year or two, you're still kind of looking around going, fuck, am I actually a business owner? Yeah, it probably sunk in after about nine months. When, um, really? Yeah, because that's about, I mean, I, I, I started all this right at the beginning of the, the mining downturn, as it were. Right, so you've, you've started your business right at the worst possible time that you possibly could. Yeah. Yeah, right, right on the tail end of it. So and you've now you've you've got that mindset of what well, I can survive in the in the really difficult times because mining in Australia, when it's going well, it's going fucking gangbusters. Yeah, for sure. You, you've got people out there who shouldn't even be serving fish and chips in the nearest local store, earning 150, 160 grand a year, driving multi-million dollar dump trucks around in the fucking back of Australia. Mm, I know it's it's, it's entertaining. Fucking scary. That's scary, but yeah. I drive a uh, you know I drive a '67 ton excavator via remote control, and then <laughs> you see the guy's fucking Instagram post, and you're like, you, you shouldn't even be in charge of that iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is wrong with society? There's a lot more of that than you would think, I suppose. Oh, there's uh, heaps of it. Yeah, you know, but particularly in that industry. I mean, it's high stakes. You know, I mean, everyone knows. Even people who don't know much about the mining industry know the kind of equipment that people are operating and you know the, the weight of some of those pieces of metal with tires or tracks on it that are just cruising around in uh, a big hole in the ground with um you know just a a sack of flesh and bone steering it trying not to hit other people and things. something with with like lucky to have two iq points to rub together <laughs> yeah, well. out in the middle of the fucking australian outback yeah Oh, it's fucking scary. It I is. mean, look, psychologically, I've heard a lot of uh, stories about FIFO workers and as that's fly in, fly out, um, where they will go and do, you know, 10 days, four days off, that kind of thing. Yep. And and it does sound like it's it's pretty stressful and taxing. So from a psychological point, I, I understand that that can be quite difficult because mm. places like um, Telfer, Tel- right on the edge of the Great Sandy Desert, that's a town that is middle of bumfuck nowhere. That is all of a sudden property prices there forty thousand dollars to buy a house there before the mine opened. Yeah. Afterwards, they're getting fifteen hundred dollars a week rent for yeah. their houses. And, you know that transforms things. That fucks with people's psyche. Happened in a lot of places too. Yeah, and then the the sad part is these towns often turn into ghost towns after the whole thing fucking shuts down, and we run out of dirt to to pull out of the ground. But there's still that really scary thing that we're paying these fucking Muppets so much fucking money. Good for them, as long as they're uh, doing the right thing and keeping the economy moving forward, I guess. You know, driving up those property prices for all of us. Not just the baby boomers' fault. But the 
the the the scariness of yeah being put in charge of a hundred tons worth of metal for people who you know you wouldn't trust to look after your dog because it had come back pregnant. <laughs> Those are the, that's the mentality of the people that we're fucking dealing with. I, I don't think we should paint them all with the same. Not brush, all of them. No, but, um, most of the ones I've met though. <laughs> <laughs> look, I've I've definitely met a few, and I mean, it seems a lot worse when you you're entrenched in that industry as well, and particularly. I found from a repair, like the the repairers or the fitters or electricians, whoever was repairing it, and uh, w- there was a a rivalry, I guess you could say, between them and some of the the operators. And you got to know the operators that were going to run into things. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. I, bet you, Tony, I bet you Tony did that. Yeah, fucking shut up, cunts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you'd always know when... Um, when something happens, someone you hear someone come up over the radio. Yeah. Uh, copy dispatch. <laughs> yeah, copy. Yeah, I've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> Stay Sorry. there. We'll send the fire truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were, it was funny to watch a lot of the time as well. Like when then when no one got injured and it was only millions of dollars worth of equipment <laughs> being trashed. It was funny. Uh, <laughs> Oh dear God, Australia! What a wonderful place to live. I don't, I, I can't imagine Russia is much different, to be fair. Or yeah. the top end of Canada, like where they're doing lots of mining and stuff up there. Canadians, they're they're mostly similar to uh, to Australians. There'd be a lot of real fucking simple ones up there. Pro- probably have more laughs, less less OHS. Hey. Yeah. 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 Well, what's all this about? Uh, there'd be a lot of uh, apologising going yeah. on. Oh, sorry. In Russia, they just drink. <laughs> Fuck broken, you, Victor. Let's drink. Yeah. <laughs> So you're uh, you're nine months in. You feel like you're actually running your own business and you're actually steering your own ship. Mm. That's got to be a pretty empowering thing. Or was it? Uh, oh fuck! I've got a lot of risk on top of me now. Not so much risk at that point. I um because there wasn't a huge amount of debt. No, no debt virtually at that no. point. Um, <coughs> it was uh, uh, there was a little bit of worry in that I wanted it to succeed, but uh, my my opinion always was if it fails, I'll go and get a job. I don't care that everyone else is losing their jobs at this point in time. I'm good enough at what I do and know what I do well enough. I'm Bensky. I'll mm. get a fucking job. Yeah, I'll yeah. just make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, make I'll it wish it out of existence. Oh, wait, I did. I'll work for myself. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, at that point, no, I, I guess the big wake-up call was um, was that all the work was drying up in the mining industry and that was having a flow on effect through the whole Hunter Um it wasn't an easy time to find work. Um, wasn't an easy time to be competitive either because everyone who was already there before me dropped their pants on their rates to keep what they had. So, so um, you're starting up. So you're you're setting your base then at the at the cheaper rates that every. I mean, you don't necessarily have to 100% commit uh, compete on uh, on price, obviously, because service is depends on your pricing model and how you obviously pitch it into the customer but mm. um your the fact that you're going in let's call it uh fifty dollars an hour it's obviously not that but let's say it's fifty dollars an hour that everyone's now working for the fact that you're starting your business knowing that you're going to have to work for fifty dollars an hour means that you're able to kind of structure your business and your workflows to work towards that yeah it was um it wasn't a, a rude surprise that i'd have to go in for a lower amount I was prepared for it. Luckily, I'd been pretty good with my money and, you know, that, that six to eight months I'd spent before that, I'd, I'd saved a lot. That's what fueled the, the growth of the business. I had money there to invest. So, um, 
it's an, I believe important to have you need to be oh, not so much financially secure but have the finances there available to you to, to give it a good shot um, to give the business a good shot right so you need to save and uh, and earn as hard as you possibly can prior to running into uh, into this fiery house that you've put yourself in yeah and it's going to be different for uh, other businesses in my, in, uh, in my case uh, I was lucky enough to have it there to buy tools um, keep the ute filled up on the weeks where I didn't have much work uh, I wasn't scratching for coin I could still make a house repayments everything oh, was good. pretty good right. it wasn't going to last forever and what's what's been the biggest challenge since you started your business those uh, what do we say seven years ago seven odd years ago uh, by far growth Growth so of your been, business, yeah, it's been the biggest challenge is uh, is managing it and um, making. Uh, I suppose the the stakes uh, always increase. The, the the more things grow and the more successful you become. Um, I didn't the always the risk, yeah, yeah, and I didn't always maintain the the mentality that um, well, if it all falls in a heap, I'll just go back to a job because at uh, some point you end up with commitments to suppliers, to banks, and all that kind of stuff. Employees, so that too, yeah. Yeah, so um, it, it's no longer as simple as just cutting and running, basically. So that that was uh, that was a challenge. That was a big on challenge. a personal level, though. Uh, maintaining relationships, definitely. Early on, it wasn't too bad, particularly when I wasn't too busy. Uh, but it uh, it would be maintaining relationships and maintaining my my own health, uh, having enough time for myself. Not, I'm, I I like what I do and it's hard for me to disconnect from it sometimes so I'll, I'll happily work 18 hours a day for if I if I know that what I'm doing is, is going to achieve a, any outcome that I desire and it's not necessarily a financial outcome but um, goals of the business yeah right yeah, so you see you you and the business is the same entity then in a way yeah right so yeah, the definitely. business lives or dies via you yeah well I mean ultimately I'll, I'll be the last person who gets fired so you know, it's 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 a part of me to the extent that I've I feel like it's it's something that I've I've built and uh, so you've got a kinship with it in that regard. Yeah, it's I guess almost, so. it's it's less a child, more or less. Yeah, something I got told early on before I started is that there's there's no friends in business and that nothing that happens you should take personally, and I I don't particularly. But there is a per deep personal connection there because uh, it was it's my goals and my my Ouch. want for si success. So I guess that is, is the reason why it's there. So you drive for success. You drive to win, um, to be the best. Maybe. Um, what what happened to your health? Um, sort of eighteen months ago. Um, I don't know what caused it. I have my suspicions though. Uh, Nothing to do with working. Have you been eating cats? <laughs> um, mostly feral cats. All right. <laughs> <laughs> free range cats. Yeah, yeah, free range cats. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, they're wonderful. Um, we had to get in in some. Not to be confused with eating pussy. Yeah. The no, actual cats. <laughs> real original cat. Real real cats. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I I feel that it was uh, lifestyle factors, uh, diet, uh, stress. Uh, don't know. Uh, I mean, really, but that's what I get the feeling. Um, all of a sudden, uh, ended up with a lot of digestive issues. Uh, I was. What were those symptoms? Uh, symptoms were 
Um, oh, a lot of discomfort, I suppose. Just gassiness all the time. Um, yeah. Stomach was always churning. Um, could, couldn't How were you, your energy down. levels? Energy levels at that point, I thought, were pretty good. Um, but I was um, I was pretty overweight. Um, I wasn't. I was still getting a reasonable amount of exercise, but obviously not enough. And um, uh, yeah, it, at that point, I, I didn't feel bad. I felt like I was in a good place. There's a few things I could improve. Didn't had no real feeling that my my health was in decline. Not not badly anyway. But um, that's how it started. It was it was fairly innocuous, and it just lasted a, a bit longer than it should have. And that's um, that's what. I guess made me start thinking oh, hold on a second maybe something's wrong um, and I, I've been sick before you know everyone's had the flu everyone's been dropped by the well, most people have been dropped by the flu for a good long week and thought you know oh, this is as bad as it gets uh, I've been, I've been dropped again. by the flu once I remember when we were out at Kalnura and I thought I'd had the flu before hmm. but when I properly got the flu oh fuck oh. man flu <laughs> actual oh. man flu it <laughs> was it was that like I was uncomfortable sitting still, yeah, and far more uncomfortable moving, but uncomfortable laying in bed. It was like only thing that I think that was worse than that was when I broke my rib. That was yeah. really bad. That was six weeks of it's uncomfortable to breathe. Lucky, lucky enough to have not broken one. Yeah, mm. I'll sort you out later if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a didgeridoo in the back. I can smack you with. <laughs> 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 Give it a few months. I've, I've been enjoying my newfound. Health, <laughs> right. So, what was the uh, what was the actual cause of the um, digestive issues and your well don't, downturn? Don't know the um, no. Well, what was the diagnosis? Uh, ultimately, after a couple of uh, misdiagnoses and um, a little bit of experimentation, uh, and things ultimately getting a lot worse. So, then syphilis. Uh, yeah, that was syphilis. All syphilis. <laughs> Super syphilis. <laughs> Super syphilis. Yeah. With flu. <laughs> Not to be confused with cancer. <laughs> Influ syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So um, the yeah. What was the actual diagnosis? Um, the the correct one. Where we're, we're assuming at this point. Uh, ulcerative colitis. Ulcerative col- ulcerative colitis. Yeah. And what uh, what are, what's the what are the physical things that happens to your body as part of that? So it's uh, it's an autoimmune disease. Uh, so it falls in the same category as. Uh, um, Crohn's disease, IBD, most irritable bowel disorders as such, um, arthritis, yeah, uh, arthritis, and a, and a fair well. few others. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess what it does is uh, in ulcerative colitis, uh, for some reason, your immune cells decide to attack otherwise normal and healthy cells, uh, those being the, the cells in your, your gut lining. Uh, so you constantly. So this is your small and large intestine. Large intestine only. Large intestine only. Yep. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you, you're basically expelling those cells all the time because your immune system's just killing them. So you end up with ulcers because those cells aren't there to protect your large intestine. Um, right. So you end up. Uh, it, I mean, it, it ultimately just ends up getting worse and worse um, to the point where you end up uh, in a lot of pain. Uh, it bleeds a lot, so you can imagine that's not particularly what, like fun. shitting blood. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, no, not more or less. Exactly. Exactly that. that. Shitting actual blood. Just um, a brief story on that. I um, when I was working at uh, Dick Smith many moons ago, and I, I went into the office one morning and went upstairs. Well, got my coffee, went upstairs, and then 
usual sort of 10.30 routine. I was like, well, got to take a dump now. Coffee's done its job. Yeah, walked downstairs to the <laughs> toilet, uh, took a dump, wiped, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm bleeding out of my ass. Because I didn't trust that I was actually bleeding out of my ass, I Googled it. What would make it look like I'm bleeding out of my ass? And the very top result said, <laughs> you may have eaten red velvet cake yesterday. And oh. I did. Oh. <laughs> That's very lucky, isn't it? was it? very uncomfortable. <laughs> so I can, only, I can only reach out and say, I understand. Unless you've been eating red velvet cake every day. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps that way. <laughs> Do you think maybe the ulcerative colitis is a misdiagnosis and you've actually just been reading, eating red velvet cake every day? No one told me to stop <laughs> eating it daily. So. <laughs> I mean, You're like, I'm, I'm bleeding on weight. There, actually, I'm yeah. bleeding out of my ass. <laughs> well, Cake's still be? delicious though. <laughs> At least I can still eat my cake. <laughs> daily. <laughs> so you can have your cake and eat it too. Oh, oh yeah. Right. So uh, the the you finally get the correct. So what did the um the 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 correct diagnosis actually entail in terms of um, exploration of your uh, your anus? Mm, yeah. Well, that got uh, explored fairly extensively. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, camera. Fairly. Uh, well, I mean, they're not as small as you would hope they would be. Yeah, they're not a GoPro Seven though. No, they're, they're not. <laughs> That, that made me happy when they, they didn't have one of those on the end of a... Uh, it, was a it was a GoPro a session. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's um, uh, not, not the most pleasant thing to have happen. Plenty of people have had that done. But uh, also I had to have a camera forced down my throat and into my stomach too to make sure there was nothing going on there. That Did they do it at the same time? Because I've seen movies about that. No, no. It's the same... Isn't that called pig on a spit? No, well, <laughs> funnily enough, the, when I got there and the nurse checked me in, she said, do you know what you're in here for today? I said, yeah, I'm supposed to have a camera put down my throat into my stomach and one up the other end. She goes, yeah, yeah, choke and poke. That's what we call it here. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fairly apt name for it, I suppose. So I'm, I'm glad that you're taking it so casually or talking about it so casually. I feel so comfortable now. <laughs> cool. Well, so I guess this is just going to be fun for everyone. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly me. I'm surprised she didn't make the joke of, uh, you know, make sure they do the use the camera down your throat first because or else it's going to taste like shit. Well, she didn't say anything about it, but luckily they knew protocol, so that's what happened. (laughs) Well, that's what they... They don't actually issue them with lubricant anymore. They just use the spit that they drag up after they pull it out and just (laughs) use that one. I don't know if that happened. I don't remember that bit. It's already uh, pH-adjusted. So... Camera, camera up the the in the in the good hole and the uh, and also in the mouth. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that all happened, and um, I remember they initially I was under the impression that I'd be under a general anaesthetic, which I was quite happy about. I've had one of those before, uh, only to find out when I got there that no, uh, only if they go in and find nothing, then they'll take me to a proper operating theatre, um, and then there'll be a general anaesthetic so they can keyhole or do whatever they need to do to to try and find what's wrong but um you know sedatives aren't bad they're they're a fun thing but i was awake for certain parts that i wish i wasn't that was um like the whole having a camera up your butthole that surprisingly was actually one of the less painful probably more bearable bits yeah going down the throat the throat bit sucked uh the bit i remember worse from that was um not so much it going down but um the camera's got like a a little pincer on the end of it. 
So to like take, uh, a, take a tissue sample. It's like a little crap like out of call. Alien or like uh, yeah, like the oh, like out the of second, Total Recall. No, it's like the second mouth that comes that out comes of. out of the alien. So pretend that alien is the camera, and it felt like it at times. Uh, its little mouth comes out and just grabs a bit of you and takes it and just takes <laughs> it away with you. Yeah. It's like you're mine now. <laughs> I mean, the worst part was is that um, had I been able to feel it, it probably would have only been probably wouldn't have been as bad as uh, I think it was, but they have you laying on your side and I'm watching the screen so I can see everything that's going on inside of me and I see this little thing come out the end I'm thinking, what the hell? Did you get to see some of your unmade poos? Most of it was gone. The chemicals they oh, made okay. me have to, to clean me out as such the day before definitely <sighs> did their job. Boring. Mm. Well, it wasn't the day before. <laughs> I can imagine it would have been explosive as fuck. Oh, uh, not so much explosive. Not fun. Not um, fun. It wasn't no. explosive nor fun. No, right. no. It was it was a different experience altogether. That one. That was. Uh, that was. Uh, I think I'm prepared for what's going to happen. Oh no, I'm definitely not. <laughs> this was unexpected. <laughs> Look out, children and toys and lounges and whatever is in my way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't uh, injure myself anymore. Did you uh, shit yourself at some point? No, luckily. God damn it. Yeah. Oh. No, I mean, luckily, <laughs> as in what came out was uh, not something you'd want to clean up. <laughs> right, so it's like not just gonna be a nugget. You're, like, you're not gonna fiery, pick it up with a fiery tissue. acid poo. <laughs> yeah, uh, fiery acid, liquid poo. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Haley, we're burning down that half of the house now. <laughs> There's no fucking way any of us is cleaning that uh, up. Well, it would have set itself on fire. I mean, it would have <laughs> melted through the floor. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was so, um, psychologically, then, what what has been um, what is what of the challenges that you've had to circumvent or like on a social level or on a personable level, what are the, what are the biggest challenges that you found over the last five or six years? Uh, a few things, I suppose. Um, one of them... How have, you found your, how have you found the support from um, friends and family? Pretty good, yeah. Overall, pretty good. Uh, I mean, everyone seems to offer really good support and um, I genuinely think that most people who see someone having a go like, like to see that and are generally supportive. So I felt like... Uh, everyone was on the same train as me uh, in that regard. So uh, support-wise, it was good. I've always considered myself fairly mentally stable and able to work out most problems. I mean, there's a you know, in my trade, that's what I do, is solve problems, and I apply the same mentality to most things in my life. Um, there are a couple of points where I was just drained completely. I, I couldn't deal with um, with most normal things in life for certain periods of time there. Um, and it was just, it was a matter of wake up, go to work on Monday, get to work, feel pretty good, pretty happy to be doing what I'm doing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, go past, I'm good, I'll call up some mates, book some stuff in for the weekend, get to Friday and just be so fried by dealing with humans and problems and human problem, human-induced problems and then also mechanical problems on top of it and then um, procedural issues and you're just so bent out of shape by it. That you go home and, you know put a six pack or or more away in an attempt to try a and re beer. Uh, beer or whatever's available really like as long as it as long cask as wine if i had if i had to love me some cask wine yeah, i was at the bottle today and i saw this um first. i saw this kid in front of me he would have been all of 18 or 19 and he had two casks of uh like six dollar white wine in his trolley as well as um some sort of cranberry juice and mm. uh, like mm. 10 cans of Sunkissed. Mm. Does not sound like a good weekend. Like, yeah. 
I mean, it's going to be fun while you're there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, everyone watching is going to have a great time. Oh, right? it's this is, I'm like that's I you couldn't pay me enough to have that fucking hangover. That's <laughs> that is, and when I got to the checkout and I said uh, I was like, oh fuck, that is an epic hangover in the making. And she just turns to me and goes, oh these little young fucks, they don't drink like we used to. <laughs> really? And I was a little bit insulted because I looked at her and she was fifty in the shade. Oh, well. <laughs> so she's now instantly placed me in the you're also 50 age bracket. Go fuck yourself. Um, leaving school, do you think it's a good idea for people to make an immediate transition into higher education? Or is there, do you think people need to find, need to have a, a you know, a brief period to fucking find themselves or mm. figure out what they like and don't like? That That to me, I think was an important thing because... Still at the age of, I'd say, uh, even up to 25, I still had no fucking idea what I wanted to do. Even now, I still don't, but I'll figure it out one day. But You've it, got plenty of time. Yeah, heaps <laughs> of time. The, uh, the thing between, okay, well, I'm going to go and do a four-year or three-year degree, and I've already picked my specialization. I know what, what the world needs from me. That's a really fucking scary thing. For, I don't want someone who's 21, 22 years old doing something that's now a professional status. Because mm-hmm. you're a fucking idiot still at 21, 22. Yeah, for sure. I know I was. I definitely was. Yeah. I um. I, I don't know if it's so... For some people, I guess, uh, some people just know what they want to do and they'll go and do it, and that's fine. But um, I, I still think there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of value to be gained from shopping around a bit. Go and try some well, there's stuff abso- out. There's absolutely no chance in hell that Gosford High School would have recommended that you become a mechanic and auto a lucky. No, it wasn't on the cards at any point. There's no point. No, no, not one single teacher in Gosford High School would have recommended that be your journey. No. Yet, you did it, and they're supposed to be the creme de la creme, the, the most intelligent, and you're supposed to be the most intelligent children and all those kinds of things. But guaranteed at 25, 26 years old, most of the people you went to Gosford High School with, the ones who went and did their degree, most of them wouldn't have been earning that money at that age. And you'd fucked around for so many years in the middle there. Yeah. There would have been a lot of them that went and did business degrees and all that kind of shit and they'd be on their 70, 80, $90,000 a year. Yeah. So I think there's a a lot of um, credence to... you know, the street smarts as well as the book smarts. Like I always try to educate myself on everything as much as I possibly can based on my particular interests at that time, which is vast and varied. But Experience counts for, for a lot. And yeah. if you are in a position where you haven't had any bad experiences to make some kind of judgment call on, I mean, particularly if, you, if you're wandering around trying to figure out what it is you, you want to do, um, you need to have that experience to know that you, you definitely don't want to be involved in that particular type of job or industry yeah, or whatever you need to is. know you don't want to be a doctor yeah and i mean it works pretty well for most people coming out of school and having a, a broad understanding of the things that they do and don't like you know i was never going to become a chef no I like cooking no i don't yeah. know other people because you're not a woman me. no exactly <sighs> brutal that's going to get us in trouble 
I'm not going to get you in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Not right now, anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So, so have you found your uh, your relationship with your mates through this period? You've said that most friends and family have been quite supportive, but you've also struggled to maintain relationships. Has that been a a challenge, like on on an emotional level? Um, uh, Yeah, in in a lot of ways it it has been. Um, Luckily, my mates have maintained their support, which is good. Um, It's nice to know that your mates will stick by you. Uh, And I mean, I haven't been through tough times. I mean, at any point, really. Um, My my tough times, comparatively speaking, haven't been very tough at all. So, uh, but yeah, I found it hard for a period of time there. Just, you know, the daily grind or the weekly grind as it was just by the time the end of the week came, I, I didn't... I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to sit around and try and recover from last week so I could get on with the next one. And that just, at that point in my mind, didn't involve my mates. It was a bit of a chore. Right. So hanging out with your mates was a chore. It felt like it. On a Friday, it wasn't that I was doing it, but like I say, I'd commit to something earlier in the week. Um, I'd not even commit to it, even just give the the premise that I might be around to hang out. Mm. Um, And then get to the end of the week and just... No, I couldn't be bothered. That's it. I'm not doing it. Uh, I, I need the time to recoup so that I can run my business, and that was the way I thought of it at the time. Um, and that's a... I found at the time a, a pretty slippery slope because that only leads to one place, and that's that mentality getting worse. Um, so I was pulled out of it, I guess, uh, by seeing someone else go... Well, I don't know if they went through something similar, but do something similar. Um and so I saw that and I thought, well, that's that's not me. And I, I've I've always had a small but good group of mates. And, um, you know, I, if I'm not going and hanging out with them, there's something wrong if I if I don't have the energy to do that. Yeah, or the drive or, or passion yeah. because, like, they expect nothing from you apart from your time. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of the cool thing about mateship is you can show up an absolute fucking piss wreck, but people will still be happy about the fact that you're there. People are mostly happy if I turn up as a piss wreck. That's true. <laughs> you're far more entertaining. Yeah. But, <laughs> you um, talk less about yourself then. Yeah, That's not true at all. No. <laughs> talk more about my experiences and my hates. But uh, yeah, it, it was um, it was one of those things where it. Uh, I made that realisation uh, through a few mates uh, pointing my attention to my shitness over that period of time. And then also realise that when you do make time for your mates, um, it helps you deal with all of these issues because you've got someone to bounce it off, not just the same person. Mm. Not that talking to Haley about my, my problems in business hasn't uh, been helpful, but um, yeah, well, know, it, a the, few different people. A few different sounding help. boards. You get a, yeah. a bit of different resonance from different people. Exactly. Yeah. So the the state of uh, Australia at the moment is such that we've had a... Uh, so just up the road from where I work, we had a... Um, a knife man, because we don't have gunmen in Australia. We have knife men, mm. and uh, he's he's gone on a bit of a stabbing ram- rampage. He stabbed a twenty-four. Tw- I think he was twenty-one years old. He stabbed a twenty-four-year-old chick, um, killed her, and then um, went out into the street, stabbed a forty-one-year-old chick just randomly. Mm. We've all felt like doing it, not specifically forty-one-year-old chick, but uh, stabbing, just stabbing random random people. I feel a bit stabby every now and then. It's natural. Yeah, particularly as a business owner, I assume. Mm. So the uh, so I don't know. You said you haven't been much across what's actually happened there, but no. So my exposure to this happening was uh, just almost. I don't even know exactly what had happened, really, but just almost instantaneous memes just popping up with milk crates <laughs> yeah. all over Facebook, and yes. I'm looking at it going, "Well, I, I, 
I love milk crates. They're very handy. But what's this all Super about? Super handy. Yeah. I was I was outside uh, outside a pub last night, um, sucking on my douche flute, and <laughs> it turned out that there were there were four milk crates next to me. Oh, and. I'm reasonably confident that normally there would have been at least 20 milk crates there based on previously being there. And so they've been pilfered, obviously, as weapons of mass destruction. Their value's increased exponentially <laughs> over the last <laughs> so, few days. It's like, amazing. Yeah. So you, I assume you, my favourite meme was um, make Australia crate again. That was my favourite one. That was pretty good. <laughs> I saw that. Um, there were, I don't know exactly what it was, but um, there was something along the lines of... Uh, you know, we've we've given up our guns, and now we're going to have to give up um, open, open, openly holstered uh, terrorists, uh, <laughs> anti-terrorism weapons, or something <laughs> like that. Being milk crates, yeah. yeah. And it was a, someone had done a pretty good Photoshop yeah. of a milk crate hanging off a hot holster, <laughs> yeah. belt. And then there was uh, photo photoshops of um, the cops walking around in the middle of Sydney in full riot gear yeah. with uh, milk crates <laughs> strapped to their belts. <laughs> Um, it's been amazing. I mean, it was so much quicker than... Do you remember when we had the terrorist incident in, in Melbourne where the guy got real stabby down there? Was it stabby? Or the last one I know of was the guy just started running people over. Uh, no, there was also a stabby dude oh, okay. in uh, in Melbourne there as well. Mm. And uh, he got um, he got taken down with a shopping trolley. <laughs> 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 oh, you'd be sitting in jail. Just there's no, there can't be any doubt in your mind as to how much of a shit piece you are if you've been taken down by a shopping trolley. <laughs> I just had flashbacks of Steve-O and Johnny Knoxville sitting in the trolley, <laughs> just launched straight at this knife man in the obviously in Collins Street. I'm guessing, or because I'm, I assume that's the only street in Melbourne. Yeah, that's where everything is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. our, uh, our our violence um, or our violence situations here in Australia, we tend to weaponize anything. But that, yeah. I mean, that's the Australian battler way. That's the way it should be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Take whatever's at hand and make it hurt. But that's even th- that in in and of itself. Even though obviously we've got this hilarity surrounding <laughs> the fact that we just pick up something and just bash this random fucker with it. The, the most hel- hilarious part out of that was just the photos that someone had taken th- of the guy through the milk crate while he was being pinned down. <laughs> like, here's a There's man in so, a milk crate. <laughs> there is so much footage of that. Like, I'm, su- I'm surprised that anybody was even able uh, even able to um, take a chair to this guy because everybody had their iPhones pointing at him. Yeah. But what pissed me off is I could see from the footage that was being filled fr- filmed from the one good guy who had it in landscape, yeah. so many people filming it in portrait and that really pissed me off probably more than his stabbing spree it's upsetting but um it most is. things have to be square format anyway for, for the instagram yeah well uh, seven news picked up i think the only landscape version that was out there oh well good on them someone had to be professional about it didn't they <laughs> and then the guy who's behind the camera just instantly turns into uh to an interviewer once the guy's pinned down on the ground and he turns around to the guy who's standing there going, you're fucking dead once you get on the inside, cunt. You're going to go to Silverwater. You're going to be, I know fucking people on the inside. You're dead. <laughs> uh, and there's this guy, guy in a, a business suit. Once the guy's pinned down on the ground, 
chairs on top of him, milk crate on his face, as we've all dreamt of being. Hmm. This guy in a business suit just comes in and lays a boot straight into his midsection. Yeah. Kaboom. Didn't say that. Good on him. Yeah, good on him. Get I mean, while you can. And the guy with the crowbar. Oh, it was... Um, look, I'm I'm really fucking glad that, that not more people got hurt in that yeah. situation. And obviously that guy's like severely fucked up. I haven't read the full stories, but a lot of people have taken a terrorist bent to this and there's absolutely no uh, no evidence to suggest that i mean the, the guy is the guy's obviously fucked up in the brain but i think it um it's a label that's easy to attach to most acts of violence yeah. these days uh, exactly uh, it was a terror attack yeah okay but a, i mean we, we had terror attacks word. back in the mm. 90s which were all based on um the christian faith so we've got to we've got to sort of keep that in uh, in perspective yeah it's <sighs> um i, I I don't know the guy's circumstance, but going out and stabbing people is wrong. Oh, it's so the, if anyone is considering thing, doing that, don't do it. Don't Not, ever, don't stab. Yeah, just don't. I mean, I'd hate to be stabbed. Stab less. Yeah. I, I think that's the message to take away from today is stab less. Stab less. Less stabbing. Less stabbing equals less milk crating. That's true. Apparently. <laughs> I think every. I think what I'll do is when I head into the office on Monday, I'll go and tax a milk crate from a nearby shop and take it in, paint it bright pink, mm. and uh, call it the anti-terrorist tool. Put it up on the on the wall of the office. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to get some lols. Just use it to intimidate people. If someone comes up and starts talking, just remind them that you've got a milk crate next to you. <laughs> get a sticker <laughs> printed up that's like uh, this property owner. Owns milk crates. <laughs> Watch out for the milk crates. <laughs> it's so, it's so yeah. good. It's just a... Um, oh, I mean, what's next? Uh, but, oh, no, it's back to the original point was the fact that we weaponize anything in, in our own self-defense. That's actually exactly what happened. So you remember when um, there was the, the whole truck terrorist activity where in uh, yeah near Paris, whatever... The guy, he was a Muslim extremist, but he's driven a truck through yeah. like a heavily crowded area. So he's weaponized a truck. Mm-hmm. So we talk about guns and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, guns can kill a huge amount of people in a very short period of time. But given anything, and this, this goes the same to addiction, right? People can become addicted to anything. People can become addicted to drugs, alcohol, ciggies. They're fucking amazing. Mm. Um, social media. Going to the gym. Eating. Eating. Um, work. That's yep. another big one. <clears throat> and then the same thing with weaponizing stuff. So, it, it, like, they weaponized fucking planes. Yep. They haven't, like, outlawed planes now. I mean, what was it? Five and a half, five, six thousand people, whatever, killed in the 9-11 attacks. If, if you give people the ability to just freely roam, we, we can weaponize and we can, because we're humans, we're so fucked up. Like, we're so creative, but that's kind of our shortcoming. Mm. Is that we can just fuck up people with whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, talk about prison shanks and stuff where, okay, yeah, well, we, it's important that you guys keep up your dental hygiene. Motherfuckers go and sharpen those and go and shank someone out in the, uh, what do they call it? What's that area where they go? The yard. The longest yard. It's a great movie, actually. Mm. The second one. I, I never saw the first one. No, um, Adam Sandler. And I mean, they, they have to get creative to as well. But that's the thing is we, we we're going on the outside at all. <laughs> <laughs> so you're suggesting prison prison encourages creativity. Yeah. yeah. 
You'll never know. Does. You'll never guess where I can hide drugs. <laughs> you don't know how to make a weapon yet. <laughs> um, awesome, man. Thank you. Um, I think I've taken up enough of your your time. You got to go back and probably good. lodge a bass or buy another business or uh, buy a Ferrari or some shit. But yeah, um, all of the above. Yeah, thanks for coming down and um, and chucking your uh, your voice behind the microphone. Oh, good. It's been fun. Good, I'm glad. Um, and then uh, maybe we can uh, do it maybe a more structured or at least maybe a more um, conversational one next time. We need to probably spread the lols out more evenly, I think. <laughs> well, the, the lols are always going to come towards the end. Yeah, I, I think it's a good your, place to have them. End yeah, on a high note. On your, on, your, on your second one in, you're, you're more likely to, to bring the lols at the, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, we'll start talking about the, the acid shit first up. Acid. Well, I forgot. Did we talk about acid? Oh, well, Dropping shit. acid? Yeah. Oh, shit let's just talk about <laughs> yeah. uh, okay cool well thanks guys very much for listening um, as always uh, reach out to um, uh, helpline is available on 13 11 14 you can reach the podcast hotline on zero two nine five four one eight four five zero. leave us a clip there for uh, love or hate really whatever kind of floats your boat blows your hair back unless you're bald sorry can't help you out uh, and take it easy remember you're not alone out there and we'll see you soon bye <laughs> it's also not easy to finish. <laughs> <laughs>